Welcome to the Post Sunday Podcast, presented by Genesis Church. A place to go further, discover more, and to learn things you possibly never have. It's not just enough to know of God, we want you to know Him. Coming to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, it's time to rethink life the way God intended. This is the Genesis Post Sunday Podcast. What is going on, post-Sunday podcasters? This is your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra, with you guys here today. Excited. Excited. I got I got the one and only, my co-host, Pastor Tim Grandstaff. What is up, brother? How are you? Final four. Like they do. Fourth quarter. Final four. Put the four up. Final four yesterday, NCAA. Yeah. All FSU fans are irate today, <laughs> especially the Florida-based fans. Uh, but yeah, four to go. Yeah, that's, that's right here. rough, man. That's rough. You said Florida State. Yeah, they got they got bounced. They <sighs> they, they, they really did get cheated. I uh, in the NCAA. My heart cries out for for Bowl Larry. championship series. <laughs> yeah, one of our fans, Larry <laughs> Murray, <laughs> diehard FSU fan. Oh man, that's so, rough. That is rough. That's okay. Yeah, he can still be a fan of the pod. Maybe we'll cheer him up this week. That's right. If you're watching on YouTube, which you should be, I don't know why you're not. I uh, got my jersey on today. Showing your allegiance. Celebrating. It was uh, a really good night last night. Uh, slept very well. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> but, yes, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're super thankful to have you guys joining us, whether you're listening in, um, in your, in your uh, podcast of preference, podcast platform of preference, or watching us on YouTube, whichever one. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of the Post Sunday podcast. Uh, we're excited, man. This is episode 49, right? Or 48? 48. 48. 48. 49. What is it, Producer, Producer Stan? Stan. It's, it's, it's 49. It was 48 last week. It's 49 today. Woo! Hey, man. check this. It's Producer Stanton's birthday yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So everybody listening and those that watch that don't get to see his beautiful face, happy birthday, birthday, Producer Stanton. Happy birthday, bro. Thank you. I'm still fighting for a camera over here, but I digress. (laughs) I got a shirt. I guess that's. I guess that's supposed to make me podcast. But but we do have a little gift for you. We 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 got you. Got you a little something. So that you can, uh, for, for producer Stanton. Yeah, for those that are uh, not watching us on YouTube, uh, we got producer Stanton. Um, little gift card. Looks, uh, get your shoe like game Nike going. Gift box, I like Yeah, that. get your shoe game going. So. Strengthening the That's shoe game. Funny. It looks like the shoe box. Yeah. yeah. There you go. We're, we, uh, we've all, you know, we have um, raised the level of our shoe game because of our pastors. And so. There we go. Set the tone for us. Stanton's birthday. Yep. And then for all the listeners and watchers, we got a little special something for you. It's Christmas time. It's the season of giving. It is the season of giving. This is how we're we're, we're playing this. We're giving to producer Stanton. (laughs) We're giving to all of our listeners today. So tell them what we're giving them. What are we giving you guys, man? So 
you guys have uh, recently, you know, we got the merch. We got the merch out, uh, and it's it's lovely, comfortable. It looks amazing. We're really excited about it. So what we want to do is to get some of this merch out to you guys, especially those that are listening uh, out of uh, out of state. So if you're out of the area, the East Orlando, um, this is really for you guys. But uh, we want to provide you guys a 20% off discount code uh, that will help you guys or just take, take a few dollars out of, uh, of the total there for you guys to have some swag, some post-Sunday swag. I don't know if you, uh, you guys are watching on YouTube. You can check uh, Pastor Tim's shirt right now. That's our gray option there. I'll we be doing all the model photo shoots <laughs> later for Instagram. There we go. We have two t-shirts, a sweatshirt. Yep. And if you're out of state, we'll mail it to you. Yep. And even if you don't live in Orlando and you're in state and you just don't live within the vicinity of where we're located, yeah. we'll mail it to you. But 20% yep. off here at Christmas. Yes. So that will be where? Yeah. You could find that in our link um, on a description on the YouTube channel or for this particular video you'll find it as well for this episode uh on itunes and spotify we'll have that link available for you guys or go to uh, any of our descriptions in our social media accounts and uh our link tree which will be a link in that bio click that it'll be there for you guys and uh and yeah you can enjoy yourself a nice sunday tea then take a picture post it tag us send it back to us that would be fantastic. We would love that, man. That would be so good. Showing us some love. We already got some, some, some screenshots and stuff of some people that have have been sending that over to us. So we're we're looking forward to that. So please take advantage of that. Um, and lastly, screenshotting. Yes. If you if you are listening to us on Spotify, they have that little thing that we've been having fun with, where yep. you click it and it's like your year wrap up of all yeah. your top albums, your top songs, and they kind of give that to you in story mode through Spotify. And here's the deal. If, if we come up, cause we got a lot, of, we got a decent amount of subscribers through Spotify this year. Yes, if, if we come up in your top podcast of the year, like top five, I think they give you, we want you to screenshot that, then post that to your Instagram or, or you can email it to us in, and then we want to be able to repost that. Yeah. So we want to just kind of share the love. We can share gifts with Stanton, share discounts with everybody, and then just share the love Man. of everybody that's been a part of the podcast. It is Christmas, baby. You get a gift. Gift. You get a gift. Everybody Everyone gets a gift. <laughs> Merry Christmas. From the oh, man. PSP. Dude, yeah, we have been, uh, we've been streamed in 17 countries. Wow. Uh, United States, obviously, being the prominent one. Uh, United States, Germany, Australia, and Mexico. Let's Check go. Check that out. Let's go. Check that out. And That's so, fantastic. Uh, just a couple, because we got our wrap-up here for the PSP. And uh, we are top 10 podcast for 292 fans. Top 10. In one year. In, in, yeah. In one year. We are top five for 261 fans. Let's go. And number one for 161 fans. So you're listening. Man. You're in there. We want to hear from you. Screenshot that. The 161. Send that back to us. (laughs) Show us your beautiful faces. We want to see that, man, for the 161 fans that are out there that made us number one in their pod. Uh, Thank you. Send a screenshot of that. We want to to know who you are. Click that wrap-up button on Spotify. Yes, and uh, screenshot it and this send is, that our way. So, so. We, were, we were checking that out. Um, All right. That came in last week. We got a lot today. We do, man. So Let's roll. Let's roll with it. Um, 
You want to roll with the PSP? Sure. Or let's you let's hit that first. Stanton, producer Stanton, hit us. All that right. PSPQ. Here we go. It is time now for Pastor Tim and Johnny to break down and dissect this week's question on everyone's favorite segment, the PSP question of the day. I take full credit for this question. I saw our the guy who asked the question, Mr. Josiah Potter. I saw him at an FCA game. Kobe coach JV, he approached us, talked to us for a while, and I asked him, I said, Josiah, you always like everything we put out on social media first. You're the first person I like. You have yet to write in a question. He goes, well, I feel like my questions would be boring because I have a degree in theology that I went to school for, and I feel like the guys want like a question. I said, have you not met Tim? <laughs> Tim who we call the biblical nerd. I even have a button on here that says you're a nerd. Actually, I'll, I'll hit it right now so that way you guys can hear that. You're such a nerd. But <laughs> I told him if you ask a question, I guarantee it will be Tim's favorite question of the year. And since we're wrapping up this wonderful never-ending story series that we're in, why not drop us with the question? And let me tell you something. He did drop an absolute bomb of a question. And it reads like this. Prepare, because it's a long one. Regarding the vast difference between the representation of Christ in John's gospel versus Revelation, where we see in one the prince of all the kings of the earth going forth, conquering and to conquer, and the other painted as one weeping at the grave of Lazarus, can we afford to recognize the fact, though we demur to the inference that both representations cannot have proceeded from one pen, does the variety amount to discordance, or do you find there is no inconsistency in them and accept them both as completing each other? Oh, my gosh. All right. Here's my thought on this. Since he just took full credit for getting this question. Yeah, you answer it, Stanton. You answer it. <laughs> Go ahead and drop some nerd knowledge on that one, Producer Stanton. Oh, I got man. no comment. I'm muting no my comment. microphone right now. <laughs> Mike's uh, like, I'm still rereading these <laughs> words, and I got to look up some definitions no, quickly. I, I, I didn't learn these words in high school, so half the words I'm reading is I'm like, I don't even know what they mean. I'm just reading them. Oh. As, as I'm going through this, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Yeah. You get this question <laughs> out of everybody else. You get a question. You get a question. <laughs> and you do. Thank you, for Josiah, for blowing uh, up the pod and the Potter. production studio today <laughs> yeah. as we sit here. Okay, so let's take this. I mean, let me take what he has <laughs> given us here. And let me say this. Because we have a lot to talk about today. So uh, this could have a lot of unpacking as well. And I'm sure a lot of bantering and thought that could go for levels. Um, and yes, I do love the nerdiness of all things scripture. So even when I'm like, huh, a little bit, I like, I like the challenge. And so I would say that, yes, you take John's gospel account and you take John as the writer of Revelation and 
he is the same one who, you know, let's take Jesus goes, Peter, James, and John goes with him everywhere, sees everything. He's a part of his everyday life as a student of this rabbi. And he's the one who pins this weeping Jesus at, you know, the tomb of Lazarus. At the same time, he pins this one who is riding on a horse coming back for his people conquering to conquer. And um, I see no lack of harmony in that. Some might. How could this guy pen and write two different types of things about this one man, Jesus? I think there's absolute beauty in what John got to experience that no one else got to. He got to watch Jesus and see him weep and wail over a friend and the people who are broken because of that friend. At the same time, he's the only one who gets the vision of him coming back. I believe that Hebrews, you know, says uh, we do not have one who is unable to sympathize with us in every single way. And that's the beauty of what John gets to pin in his gospel Mm -hmm. and in this letter from Revelation. And I think there's beautiful harmony in the fact that we have a Lord and Savior who we who gets to sympathize with us in all. He wants to weep with us when we are broken and when there's loss. And at the same time, he wants to come back and judge and bring back the way things he intended them to be and conquer to conquer the way we see him in Revelation to be with his people. And so without taking that into a lot more levels, I would say at the beginning onset of that, I don't see any discrepancies or anything like that in the, in the fact that some would say, well, John wrote about Jesus this way. Then he turns around and writes about him this way. And you can't have both. I look at it and go, you can't. And I think there's beautiful harmony in that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's good. Hope that answered a little bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to go for it? Just a tad. You, no. you ready, Stan? I gave, I gave you three minutes. <laughs> I'm still not ready. No, 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 no. We'll leave it at that. We got a lot to unpack right. with uh, this stuff. particular episode here. But thank you, man. Thank you. We, uh, we really appreciate the questions. And keep them coming. Keep them coming for real. We want to be a part of the growth process with you. But here, man, uh, we opened up... Um, Woo. Opened up a big story, big book um, in Revelation. Um, welcome, happy, <laughs> happy holidays, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I, I don't know whether to say humbug or Happy Holidays, but you know, whichever. Baby Jesus <laughs> with a seven-headed dragon <laughs> over the manger. We had a Dungeons and Dragons type of uh, yeah. How are you going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> so for our, for everyone that's been with us, you're ready for this. Yeah. Um, for anybody new, uh, just a reminder: we've been walking through the Bible this year from Genesis to Revelation. That meant by the end of the year, in the month of December, we would be here in this book. Yeah. And um, yet at the same time, I think at Christmas, there's some beauty in what we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. Yeah. But we have to open up the book. And that's the thing. A lot of people are afraid to do that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, for many years, I was one that just kind of had this like, yeah, I don't know, you I don't want to maybe fear, you know, of just I, I don't want to know this stuff. I just I, I want to know the goodness of Jesus and all this. And uh, but it's great. It's great that we're unpacking this so people can uh, get a, a better understanding of this. But that's what Revelation is. It is the unfolding. Right. It is the the unveiling of events 
um, that are uh, previously unknown until they're uh, unveiled. It's it's the unveiling. It's us uh, uh, finding, you know, the connections, right, to all this. And, uh, and so what it's not is equations. It's not predictions. It's not fear. And it's not divisions. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what this book is caused. Yeah. And so we have to be really clear up front. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about this next week in the pod and in our services. Yeah. But this this idea that revelations about getting all the right equations and predictions so that you can declare the prophecy of God correctly. Too many people have been duped by that and and pulled into that. And, and I think wasted a lot of time and energy within things that um, are way beyond what we think can put together or try to figure out, yeah. you know, when you have Jesus, the son of God saying, no man knows the day nor the hour. And I've grown up in church and I've heard, yeah, but you can know the month and you can know the year. Like, and for all those people that have said that they've been wrong most of the time, you know, lots of books have been written, lots of YouTube videos. Um, you know, I, I, I love the idea that, um, are we in the end of times? Um, and I would, clearly and confidently say this i don't know we could be right like like no one knows so to 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 sit on the edge of that cliff yeah. as like if i can get through this book and figure it out and 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 kind of manipulate some things then i'll know what are you looking for what do you want to know yeah. cuz a lot of those people it's not just is he returning it's the reality is what we'll look at today then what needs to change yeah. like if you knew he's coming back you knew the day and the hour. You knew he was coming. Then, then, then what? Now you you fix now, everything. Yeah. So that that's what we're looking at when yeah, we, we no, dive no, into it's this. It's just so true, man. Like you know, if, if what changes in you, you know, if I told you December twenty fifth, twenty twenty three at one p.m. Jesus is coming. Right. Do you just chill and take it easy, and then about noon time on the twenty fifth, you start to get your life straight? Yep. I like, uh, you know, I think about it as, as someone coming to visit my home and I, uh, I, they don't give me a time, but I know they're coming that day. I don't know like, who's visiting your they, home doing that. Well, no, you know, I, I know in the afternoon they're coming. <laughs> this must be they're, your they're, family. They, you, yeah. It's a Hispanic thing, man. You know, you know, you say one hour, but you know, it's, it may not happen for another two or three. Uh, but you know, you, yes. you've got an idea of like, they're coming this afternoon. I don't know exactly when, but they'll be here. I'm expecting guests. Yep. It keeps me making sure everything is tight. Everything is right. If I know that you're coming right at 1 p.m., I may not have everything tight, tightened up by, by noon. I, I may kind of be just getting a little lazy with it till about 1245 and just kind of put everything under the rug and, and be, be okay with it. But when you don't know... But yet you, you do know, you just don't have the detail of it. it, it you still kind of, there, there is this preparation and anticipation, and it, it makes me more accountable. Yeah. It makes me more aware, like, I got to get this right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar to that. Like, what, like you said, what, what changes if we do find out? You know, I remember, uh, <laughs> you remember the whole Y2K thing? Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Like, this is just... Bro, I was about 14, 15 years old, and I promise you we're doing the countdown, and I'm, my eyes, I'm just like, 
I'm closing. I'm like, here comes Jesus. Like, I'm getting ready to be taken. And then we do the countdown, and I, I open my eyes, and we're like, you're all there. All right. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Right? I totally agree with you. It's yeah, and that's, that's the reality of how many people take this book or they don't take yeah. it in, right? And yeah. so there's a reality for many people, not for all, but for many, the amount of things I hear about Revelation or people will come to me and say things like, doesn't it say this? The moment they say, doesn't it say? I usually know that means you have no idea you haven't really looked into this. And I don't mean that like to, to, to come at someone I'm saying in the filter and you have heard something or watched something somewhere that has you just kind of in a bubble about this. And what we want to do is bring as much clarity as we can, knowing this, we're okay to say we don't have answers for all the questions. Yeah. We're not supposed to. There's a great mystery about God that is not to be made known. And that's what makes him God because then he does what he wants the way that he wants in the timing that he wants. And that is beyond ours. And so, you know, when we get in this book, that is it. It is the revelation, the unfolding and unveiling of Jesus Christ. That is how John pins this right up front. This is not the revelation of John or the church or, or, or whatever. This is the revelation of Jesus. And so, as you said, he even writes of things that must soon take place. And even in chapter one, he'll talk about their current tribulation. Mm. So there's a moment where you have to understand that through the ages, people have been like, hey, things are bad. God's coming back. This is the end of time, right? For every Jew that, that, was, that existed during the time of Hitler, I can guarantee you yeah. in their minds, this is the end of it all, right? And so it's the reason why there's an awareness right now with Israel being attacked, that for this is the end of it all. And, and so it may be. I can't sit here and tell you it is. Maybe. But it's been happening like that for a while. So we need to step back and really absorb the letter of Revelation and try to take it in the way it's being written to the people then and for us now and not mix that all up. Yeah. That's good. And so we, you, we, we kicked started Revelation 1, 1 through 3, where, where John, like you said, right away opened up the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, man, how blessed is that, man, to be able to witness that, to be able to witness that, that revelation like that. Yeah. You know, that's, he's, he's the only one, right? Yeah. Can we say that? Yep. And when he writes this, he's, he's pinning what he's getting to see. Yeah. That, that no one else has. He's going to put words into this the best way he can to describe what he's experiencing. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to think any human being that's trying to tell a story the best way that they can, and they're trying to put words to pictures no one else has seen because they haven't been there, or experienced it, or, you know, and so you're, you're trying to describe this. This is what's happening within it. Some of it's imagery, some of it's literal. Mm -hmm. The problem is we get them mixed up. We make imagery literal and literal things, imagery, and, and we miss that mark. And then we realize that when he's writing, you know, he reaffirms who God is in all of this. Wow. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. He's the alpha omega, the beginning and the end, right? The, he's the beginning. He's the end of this whole thing. And so then he 
tells him in verse 9, and we didn't hit this yesterday, I, John, your brother, a partner in the tribulation and the kingdom of the and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island of Patmos. So he tells you where he was. Then he says they were currently in a tribulation. So right up front in the very first chapter, he's not just writing about some future tribulation or some tribulation that some people don't partake in, depending on your end times understanding or views or or what you've kind of put together. He's letting them know, I'm a partner with you in a tribulation right Mm -hmm. now. So he's writing out of that, out of this island. And the big thing I think for us when we open up this book is that it tells us fear not. And it tells us you're blessed if you read these words aloud and you're blessed if you hear these words. And don't forget you're blessed as you do them because here's the problem. We will hear and we will read, but we won't do. Because we're really good at that, right? Well, I, I want the blessing today. I heard it and I read it, but I'm not going to obey it, right? So mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, not, it's not one. <laughs> well, I'm blessed if I just go read it. Yes, there probably is some blessing, but there's a great blessing in reading it, hearing it, walking in it, right? That, that's the beauty. It's the head, hands, feet. This is what we've been seeing throughout the scripture. It's all of you for the God you're about to read and the ending of his story. And then... He addresses seven real churches, right? And they are real churches in real places at a real time. And that has to be understood. These are not future churches. These are not symbolic churches. This is not imagery for today's church. However, like everything in the Bible that we've looked at this whole year, wisdom is looking at these things and going, am I replicating any of this? Am I copying any of this? Am I allowing any of this? And if this happened for them then then what does that mean for me now? That's the way to approach the Bible. It's not just, is this all for me now? And if it's not, let me push it aside. It's relevant right now for me. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how you yeah. approach it. No, it's true. It's true. You have to look at it like it's, it, it is wisdom in preparation. I mean, not apply to you in very in-depth detail, but it's, it, it, you may face that in the future. You know, it's, 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 that's what preparation is. I'm ready for, the, for whatever match, I'm ready for whatever may come my way. And so I'm preparing myself ahead of time with that. So, so let me just, you, you broke it down on this past Sunday with, with each seven, seven churches um, and kind of the issues that each one we're dealing with. You, you brought a little bit of background yeah. into every one of them, what they were known for, but also what was the challenging thing that they were facing. Yeah. So you, you, when you understand real people, real places, real time, and we were, we repeat that over and over and over and over again. Why? Because you need that baseline understanding in yeah. the Bible. It gives you a different lens to look into the scriptures with and a different understanding. And so when you look at these real churches and you see them as real places historically in real times and what is going on in the events taking place, all of a sudden the things that John writes to them make a little bit more sense. You know, because if you're just reading this as a future thing, then you have no idea or you're making assumptions to what he's actually speaking into in the moment. And yet when you realize what he's speaking into in the moment to these real places with real people, all of a sudden you go, oh, that makes more sense now. That makes sense as to what why that was being written. And so, you know, you take the 
first one, Ephesus. We spent a whole podcast on Acts 19, Paul going into Ephesus. All the all the idol making yeah. that, that was being sold in the marketplace and how they were in an uproar because that was being turned upside down and people were being, bringing their black magic books and burning them. Mm-hmm. And so they all rush into the, the arena and they're chanting, great is Artemis because this is where the temple of Artemis was. Great is Artemis. And we were laughing because they're confused. Some didn't even know why they were there, but the whole city's in an uproar because Paul and his disciples have come in sharing the gospel of Jesus. Ephesus was like the New York City of, of all of Asia. Wow. And so they're writing to this church. You know these things that happens. And he says, I, and there's this template, right? We looked at it. We won't go through every church today. You can go back and even listen to our Sunday sermon. But the template was, I know what you've done well, what you're doing that's pleasing to me. I have this against you. You're doing this wrong. And then to the one who. And so like in Ephesus, it's, I know you don't bear those who do evil. You can't put up with people who do wrong. There are some of you living in the city of Ephesus. There's a gathering in a church where you don't like that people do evil. That's a great thing. You endure patiently and you haven't grown weary. So, he speaks into the goodness of what they're doing. So for those people that are so afraid of revelation, this is a beautiful thing that God watches and observes our deeds and and, and the works that we do. It's not a works-based faith, but faith without works is dead, right? He's yeah. looking to see the fruit of those who follow him, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of them. So he acknowledges what is being done well, just like he would do in our lives. But he also says, but guess what? I know there's some wrong things. And so for Ephesus, you've abandoned your first love. And that isn't just like, oh, they they stopped loving God and they stopped singing these wonderful worship songs to him. So if they just go back to singing and, and telling God they love him, that's good. Abandoning your first love is really saying you're not following the commandments of God. Wow. So you are not putting up with those who do evil per se, and you're patiently enduring where you're at, but you yourself are not really elevating the things of God to be first in your life. So he tells them there's a consequence because sin has consequences in our lives. Sin angers God all the way since Genesis three. We've been talking about this. So we're at episode 49. So for 46 episodes, we've been saying this to the story of God. And he says, the consequence is, I'll remove my lampstand. I'll remove my light, my, my spirit from amongst you, my blessing, my favor, my anointing on this church. But then he gives them a chance to respond. But to the one who conquers, I will give him the tree of life. So there's like this beautiful framework within the writing that you're doing this well, but there's something that needs to be changed or there's going to be a consequence. And if you do and you conquer this, He goes all the way back to the beginning of a story because it's the whole story for the whole person. You get that tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. That's what I intended all along for creation, that you got separated from when I I took creation, my my humanity out of the garden because of sin. And I'm going to give it back to you at the end of all time if you do these things. Yeah. And it's like you said, like a template. It's like I'm, I'm revealing things that are that are off and, and you'll talk through, you know, you went through kind of the same format with, which is great. Cause I think it allows people to understand, um, you know, 
the problem, what what it um, what's the consequence, and the solution. Yep. What can happen out of it? So it was really really nice to hear that broken down into every church that was happening. Um, I guess my question for you was: there one that stood out to you that just kind of hit home a little bit, or maybe just I, I don't know. And I'm I don't mean to put you on the no, spot. No, that's great. Like, um, you know, is there one that really like always kind of gets I, to you a little bit? Well, I think we'll talk about the last one, Laodicea, because that's yeah. the most known in, in, here at the end. Um, but when I look at them, uh, I think some of them like pop out. You call them a synagogue of Satan. So you're like, whoa, like what about that one, right? Like yeah. how, how do you become a synagogue of Satan, you know, um, if you're the church of Smyrna, right, yeah. in Revelation? Um, and so I don't need, I, I don't mean to trivialize that. So I'm just answering your question. I don't think people pay attention to like the church of Sardis enough. I think that there's a harder punch in that than what we want to face in our own lives. And that's the one to me that's the gut check of um, here's this city, real people, real place, real time, that um, gets hit by a great earthquake that comes through the region at night, historically, and it rocks the city. This city sits on a cliff. They think that no armies can invade them. And finally, a Persian army does and they do so, they find a way up and in the cliff to the city to invade them in the middle of the night. And so there's the backdrop to the writing to this church. And um, when you look at it, he says, I know your works and your reputation of being alive, but this is what I have against you. You are dead and your works are incomplete in my sight. What he's in essence telling them is this, this is full hypocrisy. What people see on the outside is not really what's on the inside. And this, I think, is the, the most common struggle and problem with Christianity. Wow. Jesus addressed it with the religious leaders. He said, you clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is dirty. All the way back at the story of David, God said, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart, right? And so when he, when he speaks to them, he says, remember, this is Revelation chapter 3, that you received what you reserved, received and heard. Remember what you actually received in all this and knew. Keep it and repent. So I'm going to give you a chance to change, right? If not, and you won't wake up. So here's a city that has had things happen at nighttime to them. So he's reminding them, wake up. You knew what it was like to wake up to an earthquake. Mm-hmm. And you knew what it was like to wake up to an invading army that came into the city at the middle of the night. I'm telling you to wake up spiritually. And then he tells them, I will come like a thief and you will not know what hour. Like you said, December 25th at 1 p.m., some of us think that, you know, God's coming back like a thief in the night in the middle of the night while we're sleeping type of a deal. He says, you won't know what hour, but it's going to come like a thief where he just pops up and he shows up, but I will come to you. And yet you still have a few in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white. And so he says to the one who conquers, they will be clothed in white garments and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. And so that one hits because there's a real gut check of hypocrisy. Do I play the game? Do I make it seem like I am all things Jesus, but I really not? Do I, I, do I, do I make it seem on Sunday like he's my everything, but the rest of the week he's not? And that hypocrisy thing hits deep and it should hit deep for a lot of us because that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to really face and to evaluate in your life. And yet we, we know when we are. 
Wow. And so just to kind of run down some of these churches, uh, for those that are listening with us, you know, you're new with us and don't maybe know, but Ephesus, as Pastor Tim emphasized here earlier, is one of the churches. Um, Smyrna. Smyrna. Smyrna is another one. And um, it's known that they're tribu- uh, for tribulation and poverty. Uh, well, they slandered and, and have become uh, a gathering of Satan, <laughs> blasphemy is happening in that place. Um, and then per- Pergamum? Yeah, Pergamum is the, is the one, one where, like, all of a sudden it gets, when you look at them, it gets real. Like, you've abandoned your first love, and yet that's very important. You've become a synagogue of Satan. But all of a sudden it gets, I think, like, direct and exact what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's fitting that you're in your Green Bay Packers jersey today because your team won, um, and you're all things, you know, hurrah, my team. For the day, big win. Yeah, Miami's number one right now. Just keep that in check. All right, all right. Um, and uh, and so I say that because that's what Pergamum was like. The people there were so loyal to the gods and goddesses and all the festivities and sacrifices. It was as if today the way that we're loyal to our sports teams. Mm. It was almost like a fandom uh, approach you would say historically. So it was like, this is the God that I, you know, I worship the most and I bow down to the most or the goddess that I, I want to appease the most. And so there was like this real fandom to this, to the city. And so when the city is addressed because of this and because of that, this is where the shrine of Zeus is. It's not coincidence that the writer says, I know where you dwell. I know this about your place. I know it's this type of fandom towards the false gods and goddesses that are being worshipped there. Yet some of you have held fast to my name. Some of you haven't joined the fandom, right? That's not your team. You're, you're, not, you're not buying the jersey. You're not wearing the hat for that god or goddess that's being worshipped. But then he flips it. Some of you hold to the teachings of Balaam and worship idols and practice sexual immorality. So all of a sudden, it's like this direct arrow. This is exactly what you're doing, and this is exactly what it entails. And then there's a big consequence, right? I will come soon against you in judgment for what you're doing. Wow. But to the one who conquers, I will give him hidden manna and a white stone with a new name. Yeah. That's a big one. It is. When it comes to what they're talking about and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Another one was uh, Theatira. Yep. Theatira. Uh, they were um, deep pagan, into deep pagan worship, and um, and that was, and this is against you. Um, you tolerate Jezebel, who teach and seduce to practice sexual immorality. Yeah, it's like I don't want to sit on that stone all day, but the reality is a, we live in a very it's a, it's a big one, yeah, sexual immorality culture and society, right? It is all around us and it we've talked about this all year. The sexual ideology being pumped at us from the world and from the culture to our kids, to our children is at a whole different level. So when people are like, well that's you always talk about like that like that's the that's the biggest sin. No, the world around us has made it a very very hot topic at the highest priority of their conversation. So therefore, we speak into it so that you have a biblical understanding and truth as to what God intends. And yet you have two churches where it directly addresses sexual immorality as what they are practicing. 
That's not a new term. That's not a futuristic term. That's yeah. not a twisted term. That's the same term from Acts 15 that Jesus spoke about when he talked about out of the mouth come all types of evil, one of them being sexual immorality. Um, that was all described in Leviticus chapter 18. Mm. So when people are like, no, this one shifts or changes. No, and it, when we say all, all. So it isn't just all the new sexual ideologies and genders and, and transgenderism and all that. It is sexual immorality. It is adultery. It is fornicating, which is sex before marriage, which we live in a culture and a, let's be honest, a church culture that thinks that one doesn't apply anymore. More people in the church cohabitate cohabitate today. More people in the church have sex before they're married because everyone else is doing it as if it doesn't matter to God. Yeah, it's true. And so sexual morality covers all of them, not just one or some of the new ones we think are being invented, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. And he says, I have this against you, and I'm bringing judgment against you. I'm bringing judgment against you for this. But if you conquer, this is what I'll do overcome this. That's the beauty of these letters is that it doesn't ease the consequence. The consequence is real and it's direct and it's from God. But there's, there's, there's the grace and mercy you're seeing in this God before the rest of it un, un, is unveiled, right? Let's talk, let's just, you know, before the great judgment, before, you know, the Lamb's book of life is open, it's as if he's telling these churches, I'm giving you time I'm giving you an opportunity to do this. He tells that church in Thyatira that I gave her time to repent, mm -hmm. but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. So he once again says, I didn't even come right at you. I gave you time, which let's just be honest, that blows your mind because God could do what he wants. You, you send, he can move how he chooses. I gave you time. For someone listening, he has given you time. Now that you've heard this, while he didn't write this letter directly to you because you weren't sitting in that church, the truth of what he wrote to that letter does apply to us. That's what we do, right? That's the wisdom. Wisdom's not looking at the foolishness of others and replicating it. It's looking at the foolishness of others and not replicating it. And so you have to ask yourself, if God returned, as he told Sardis, like a thief, you don't know when I come back. There, there's the, let's talk about fear for a second. That's the only fear, right? <laughs> That's the healthy fear, the fear of God. Yeah. You don't live in fear. We'll talk about this next week. That when you wake up and the house is silent, you got left. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go there next week. I won't go any yeah. further. Yeah. You, you have a godly, holy fear of God that if he was to return, and find me currently doing what I'm doing, practicing what I'm practicing, being entertained by what I'm being entertained with, whatever that looks like, consuming, is that how I want God to find me? That's, that is the, the fear question that should ring in your head. Is this, would I want God? God showed up right now? Yeah. Is where you want me? That's why we want the December 25th, 1 o'clock p.m., so that we can make sure we're not doing it when he shows up. It's true, bro. It's true. And so Sardis is another one, and you talk, spoke a, uh, a little bit about that. Uh, Philadelphia yep. was another one. Uh, no wonder their fan base is how they are, man. They had a horrible uh, day yesterday. I still love y'all, Philadelphia. God's judgment was coming. It says <laughs> the, our trial is coming against you. Maybe it happened to the yeah. Eagles yesterday. <laughs> yes. 
And uh, last but not least, um, help me out with this one. Laodicea. Laodicea, yep. So this is the most known, but I don't think it's known for what it needs to be known for. Mm. And as I said yesterday, someone listening today, I hope this changes everything about how you approach God's word. The Bible does not need to be rewritten, but the Bible does need to be reread. The Bible doesn't need to be rewritten. God wielded it together through his people by the power of his spirit. But it does need to be reread. Some of us have read it wrong. Some of us haven't read it enough. Some of us have read outside things and then brought them into God's word and and given it a weight and heaviness that it didn't belong to it. Laodicea, uh, a city where he says, you are neither hot nor cold, but you are lukewarm and I will spit you out of my mouth will be the consequence. First of all, um, the picture there is that if you're doing the right thing for God, you're on, he's saying like, you're on, you're on my lips. Yeah. I know about you. I, I can speak to you. I can speak into you, right? Versus spit you out of my mouth. I don't even want to, I want to deal with this, right? You, you think of when you, uh, you take a coffee, right? Like we like our coffee. You want it hot or you want a cold brew? No one yeah. goes into Starbucks and says, give me the lukewarm. Mix both. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you see people, like, if it's not hot enough, they hand it back. Uh-huh. If it's not cold enough, can you add some more ice? Right? No one takes lukewarm anything. And so uh, there's a picture of this city. But this city lived and was uh, placed in between two other known cities in the region, Heropolis and, and uh, Colossae. One was known for its hot streams of healing and and just and comfort. The other was known for its cold streams coming out of the mountains that were refreshing. And there were aqueducts coming into the city of Laodicea that the water traveled on. And by the time that water got into the city, the hot had become lukewarm and the cold had become lukewarm. One had cooled down, one had heated up. And so there's some real word pictures to this church. Yeah. I know you are neither hot nor cold. You are in the middle of these two places. Crazy. We know the hot place. We know the cold place. You're lukewarm, just like the water coming into your city spiritually. Wow. And so he says, because you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, know this. I didn't go here yesterday. The city was a wealthy city. It was, the, it was the crossroads of all uh, travel and trade through Laodicea. So one of the things they were known for was this powder that they would mix with the water and they would use it as an eye salve, like for, for healing, for, for sight. For, you know, they would literally, like a paste they would put on their eyes. Okay, and I was talking to someone after the service yesterday that, that knew this, that had read this as well. And so they would use this and they would get, they would sell a lot of it, right? So they're a rich city. So writing to this church, giving them a warning, you say you're rich and have prospered and you don't need anything because you got money pumping into this place. How many of us spiritually, that's how our walk is with God. Everything's going well. I got everything of what I need. Money's in the, in the, in the, the account. I've been provided for. I don't need God. Comfort. He says, but there's a problem. Spiritually, you are wretched. You are poor, blind. So here's that word, blind. You're a city that helps medically bring sight to people. 
or, or, or help their sight, right? Yeah, you are. But you're spiritually <laughs> blind. So wow. there's a direct connection in all of this that's taking place wow. that's happening. So you have almost like two stories in one, the hot and cold, and then this spiritually blind that's taking place. And as we grew up, it was as if this thing was taught, God is telling the church, I want you to be hot, on fire for me, or I want you to be cold. Like, I just want you to be a lost person and and do nothing for me. Be one or the other. And I was like, <laughs> that just doesn't make sense that Damn. God would be like, yeah, I want you to be on fire for me, 100% on fire for me. Because yeah. you'd be like, God, I, it's, I'm trying to get there, and I don't know if I'm there. Or just give up. And don't serve me or follow me, trust me, believe in me, put your faith yeah. in me. Just be cold and be one of the just lost pagans of the world. Just, But I'd rather you be that than lukewarm. And I'd be like, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather me be lukewarm, like at least attempting, than be like completely cold? Yeah. And then you realize that he's like, no, I want you to be hot or cold. One of these places you know about that people went to because it offered something to them, right? Mm-hmm. They wanted to take in the hot healing baths. They wanted to take in the cold, refreshing water. But I don't want you to be lukewarm. And in your own city, you knew you took some of that lukewarm water and you were using for medical purposes to give sight to people to make money. But you're still spiritually blind because you're spiritually lukewarm. And now this story unpacks and unfolds and it hits you in your gut. And you're like, okay, God, do you want me to be hot or cold? Think about just modern day health and medicine. One of the biggest things being talked about right now, I can't, I can't not get social media reels and videos about this, are saunas and cold plunges. People are buying them, putting them in their houses. You know, people are talking about cold showers, the benefits medically from doing this. You know, uh, it, it does this. It, it burns calories. It, it heals your bones and, and, and your, 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 your muscles. It, it revigorates you for the day better than a cup of coffee. If you do, uh, what is it, like three minutes of a cold shower at least three to four times a week, it decreases like by 60% your chance of a heart attack later in life, like all these amazing benefits from like hot and cold. Yeah. What beautiful way to look at this. Amazing benefits from these hot springs and amazing benefits from these cold streams coming out of the mountains. And that's what God is saying. That's what I want you to be as a church for people. These amazing spiritual, not just medical benefits that people get to take in. Yeah, man, that's... It's crazy. This this one, he's hitting a lot of analogies um, that really apply. Um, and, and I'll admit, growing up, that was one of the that's one of the things I you know, I was like, man, God, I, it, I'm hot for a season, and then <laughs> something happens, and it's like, oh, should I just give this all up? Now you want to spit so, me out, <laughs> right? It's so true, man. Like you grow up with those um, with that understanding, you know, and 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 so it's it's amazing. Uh, I love the fact that you were able to, uh, you know, as we as we joke around, but you 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 were able to bring a little bit of a theology and a little bit of a background to these these places, but yet also preach a message that related to us as well. Yeah, because of that, the, the, you know, the word of God is, applies now is living and active. Yeah, so that is why it is the greatest story ever told. It's a never-ending story. Yeah. And that is why you go back to it and it keeps speaking to you because it convicts and it corrects and it rebukes yeah. and it trains and it 
guides and it directs. This is the power of God's word. That's why it doesn't need to be rewritten, but it does need to be reread. You know, Laodicea is not about be hot or completely cold away from God. It's about be something that people benefit from. But don't play this game with me and be lukewarm. And then he follows it up to the one who conquers. I will grant him to sit on the throne, meaning with me in all of eternity, you get to be if you will be this type of person, this type of place. And so for the people out there that I think hear this and they go, Okay, well, here's the problem. Like you take one of these churches, you know, like uh, like we said, like you take Pergamum, and they're giving into the teachings of Balaam, who in the Old Testament uh, is someone that a uh, another king and ruler had called Balaam. He was a prophet to come because he was about to go to war against Israel, and he wanted him to curse Israel. They 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 they, they thought of him kind of like as a fortune teller, and instead of cursing Israel, he blesses Israel. However, the teachings of Balaam become something of the nation of Israel. And that is when God told the nation of Israel, don't marry the nations around you because they will pull you into their false worship. That's true. It is under the teachings of Balaam that the Israelites marry the Moabite women wow. that they've been at war against, that have been coming up against them. And they begin to not only seduce them into sexual immorality, they begin to practice false idol worship. This was what it meant to worship Balaam. This is why he says, you are practicing the teachings of Balaam all the way back. I think it's in Numbers 25 that that they were doing then, that was done then, that that infiltrated into Israel, that we kept seeing this through the different kings and the different tribes all the way through that Old Testament journey. He says, you're doing the same thing. So once again, foolishness you saw them doing it you know they did it and they had a consequence you're copying it and so do we today we practice false idol worship you may not have a a graven image in your house but whenever you idolize and worship something more than god you have elevated that above god and it is in the wrong place the same time we do know that this this culture we live in is sexually immoral and there's a lot of people giving into that but when it comes to all of this you have to look at it and go okay what do i see what convicts me what needs to change you know and at the end of all of this we go back to the beginning is urgency the urgency is i don't know when he's coming peter will write when he's being mocked where's your god how come he doesn't come back he he's slow He's not on your time. And the only reason he hasn't come back is because he's wishing no one would perish. So there's an urgency that we don't know. Therefore, every friend and family member and coworker that you have, if you really care about them, you want them to know God's coming back. I don't know when, but he's coming back and you need to know about this, yeah. right? That's the urgency of the sharing the gospel of Jesus. This is what gets John, a political prisoner, you know, exiled to Patmos where he'll spend his last dying days, you know, because he's sharing the gospel of Jesus in places they don't want to hear it, but he's urgently trying to get people to realize the King will return. The King will return for his people. And so, as we said yesterday, one of the greatest enemies of faith is procrastination. We push it off. It's why we are more concerned with figuring out end times and predicting when the return will come than we are Asking God, what do you want me to do with the time you've given me here on earth? What the time I have left? I don't know if I make it next week, let alone if God returns. Hmm. You don't know if you're here. 
What does that mean for my family and for my kids? What, what, where's the urgency that we live with? If this is the beginning of the ends, the beginning of the, the birth pains, right? With everything we're seeing around us, someone has to go through that time in that period, right? Yeah. So for God to return, we know that Jesus teaches on this. Then what are we doing if we're becoming aware of all these things happening around us that is changing our faith and our spiritual walk with God with an urgency? Instead, we live with that, that, that great saying we talked about yesterday, I don't know if I want God to come back, right? Because we either don't really realize what it means to be with him in all eternity, or we thought we did when we decided we wanted to be in this faith, or there's something that needs to change we're not ready to change yet, and that's a dangerous place to find yourself. Something something has occupied your your love for God, right? That's it's a great take, way to put it's it. Taken, it's taken uh, that place, and so because there, he's not the center anymore, there is no desire to be with him or desire to to want him because if there is then you 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 savor and you want every moment you can here on earth and when the time has come hey god you do you come when you want to but uh it man procrastination and comfort man comfort too like we're so we're such a generation that it just we we fight and we'll fight to the death for comfort man Comfort in entertainment, comfort in financial security, comfort in health, comfort that our families are okay, comfort that just everything will continue to be steady and good. And and man, you see time and time again these stories and these authors writing this in moments of discomfort, in moments of, uh, in, in, in the darkest situations of their life, but yet we 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 couldn't fathom going through what they went through. Um, and if we did, it would be, it, it, God is not with me. God is, 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 is not, his presence has left my life. And, and it's like, but here are these men and women giving their lives in moments of tribulation, doing everything for, to, to continue to grow and, and, and share the gospel of Jesus under the darkest moments of their life. But yet they, they, they make these statements of, of being blessed, of, of being, uh, having gratitude before God, worshiping him in the midst of the darkness in our life, right? As we did Paul, uh, Paul and Silas, you know, and, and yet we couldn't fathom our, our lives being in those situations, because we want comfort so much. We equate comfort to God's blessing. And it's like, uh, we have to really evaluate that, man. But procrastination is, is, is another one, man. We, like you said, we think we have X amount of time, and yet we find out that we, we don't. You take like the church of Thyatira, and God's like, I know your works, your faith, your service, you know, like they're doing so many things well. And then he says, I have this against you. And so someone out there is going to go, well, that's the problem with Christianity. God's looking for perfection. And like the church is doing so many things. Well, why is God mad that one thing isn't going right? Like no one can be perfect, right? Like that's, that's the, always the argument. And I would say this, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience. And when you know something is wrong, you are no longer ignorant to that, right? Yeah. You are now choosing, as he said, you know, for the one church, I gave her time to repent and yet she refused. Yeah. 
So now that you have been made aware of these things, that are being written to these real churches and real places and the consequences and what God was looking for, how you should conquer this and what you will receive when you have read this, heard this, and you obey this, there's a blessing that comes, right? An eternal blessing that comes from this, not just some earthly blessing. And people need to wake up to that. Are you more concerned about the moment, the momentarily happiness that you find in something or the eternal reward and blessing that God is offering you? Where's your priority? And God is looking for your obedience. He's not looking for perfection. And obedience means when I become aware, I got a choice, right? And at its, at its simplest measure, as we've been talking the last few weeks, is like growing up or raising my kids and growing up with my own parents, this happened. We would pay to go to a movie. And sometimes you don't know what's in the movie, right? And sometimes you may know, but you're like, okay, we'll see. And if something in the movie was wrong that we didn't need to be taking into our life, my parents would get up and we would leave the movie. And I would do that with my kids. And you, if you haven't watched most of it, you can go get your ticket back and use it for a different movie another day. But it was such joy to listen to my kids as they've gotten older tell me they would go to a movie with a friend. And they're like, Dad, I didn't know it had that in there, so I got up and I left. And I'm like, you left even with your friends there? Yeah, I didn't want to watch that. Because they realized I don't need to take this in. Mm. And yet there are other people that would go, oh, no, no, I paid, I paid a lot of money to sit in this movie, so we're just, we're just going to go all the way through it. No. If it's pumping in something to you that displeases the heart of God or an ideology into your children, it's not worth going to the end for. Take that step and walk away. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee, right? And sometimes it's a literal walk away. Yeah. I lost 40 bucks. That's okay. It's better than taking in sin, right? Yeah. And 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 then your life. And so that isn't like the end all. That's just maybe application for someone today, yeah. right? Yeah. That that's what God's looking for because John ends this with, I think, a different picture than what we've had. The Bible doesn't need to be rewritten, it needs to be reread. And he says at the very end in Revelation 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock yeah. of Jesus. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And this has always been told as a great evangelistic gospel message of Jesus. And it is. That is what people need to hear. God is standing, knocking at the door of their life. If they'll let him in, he will come in and be with them, right? But this isn't being written to lost people. This is being written to churches who do believe. And I think somewhere along the way, I've kind of told you this or said this, show a little bit of our age. I think of the, the Fred Flintstone cartoon, right? At the very end, when it goes off and the credits are rolling, there's always this scene where they all run in the house and they slam the door. And I think it's Dino the dog, like gets stuck outside and he starts banging on the door and he can't get in. So he runs around, he jumps in the window of the house, and then he throws Fred Flintstone out of the house and shuts the door. And now he's outside banging on his door. And I had a pastor say, like, that's the picture of Revelation at the end of Revelation chapter 3. The head of the household has been set outside of it, and he's knocking to get back in his own house. And this is what's been happening with the church as to why these letters are being written. They have placed Jesus on the outside, and now he's knocking to get back in, which is what you just said many of us do for comfort 
or for happiness or for pleasure, whatever it is. Hey, Jesus, I need you to go out here right now. Stay close enough that when I'm ready to let you back in, you'll come back in. But for the moment, I need you outside so that I can do what I want inside. And that is the spiritual picture of many people today we need to wake up to, that Jesus is knocking at the door. If you will repent and change and conquer and let him in, there can be a different outcome. But when he returns, and you haven't, the great and mighty judge opens that book and he sits on the throne. You better hope you're on the right, <laughs> Absolutely. The right side. Um, that's so good, man. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm, any other thoughts, any other things? on? No, I think that just with Revelation, we need to realize that as we move forward and we're going to move fast, yeah. right? Because we're only doing this for four weeks. We have taught through this as a church chapter by chapter um, almost four years ago. So that is in our archives. Uh, however, um, there, there are, there's imagery and there's literal reality. There's, uh, there are many more blessings than people realize throughout the book of Revelation. There's seven showing the completeness of God. I think what we'll also realize because we won't be able to, we'll, we'll touch this next week is that, uh, when the seven seals are, the seven seals are broken. Um, and then as we read forward, it's not, uh, new events and all of a sudden now it's like 21 different moments and judgments and, and all this stuff happening on the world. It is John retelling when those seals were broken, what was happening within those events. And so some people just, it's almost like they build them. Well, here's the first seven, there's the next seven, and then there's another seven, and this happens. It's him retelling those things. Yeah. And so there, there you navigate through them in a different way than maybe you have before. But nothing in the book to me, uh, in this letter, stands out more than what we get in the next two chapters, four and five. That's awesome. Right? And then the last two, 21 and 22. Yeah. And that is when John now gets a glimpse into the throne room of heaven. And, and so the people that are fearful of this book, like why are we fearful? Look at this. There's warning, but there's also the call to conquer. And when you do, this is the reward that the heavenly eternal reward from God. And yes, there are things that are going to transpire. Some of them we will understand. Some of them we won't. Yeah. Some of us will face them at some point in time. Some of us won't last that long. At the end of the day, we are building because it ends in a climactic moment. It doesn't end in some gloom, dark, fearful, you know, terror moment. It ends in beauty and splendor and redeeming and reclaiming and recreating all things the way God intended. And so stay put for that. Stay tuned, my friends. Stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be a good one. We got three more weeks of Revelation uh and uh, of this year of this year as well so it's been great listen it, join us we, we go live at at 9 30 and 11 o'clock genesischurchorlando.com check us out you can find us on youtube facebook we're gonna go through these you can watch it in real time live with us joining us we're in east orlando come be a part of it if you don't have Anywhere to go for Christmas and the holidays. We got so much happening, not only uh, for um, the adults and seniors at our church, but we got a lot of things going on for our kids, too. So if you want your kids to to really enjoy the season, 
and, and just have fun and have a great community uh, surrounding them uh, with all of these festivities and everything that we're doing. Please, 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 we would love for you guys to be a part of what we're doing at Genesis Church Orlando. So check us out online and then make your way through our doors. We would love to have you. We have three Christmas candlelight services happening December 24th, guys. This hasn't happened in six years, but with December 24th, we're going to have three candlelight services that are going to be so special and we're, we we love them. That's This is our highlight moment of the year. But we hope you enjoyed this episode. Set, submit your questions. Post Sunday podcast at gmail.com. Revelation seems to trigger a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts. And so we want to hear it from you guys. We can't promise to answer all of it, but we're going to do our best to make sure that we can guide you to the right resources. GenesisChurchOrlando.com backslash the never ending story. If you have not been with us, that, that is that is where you get a lot of resources. Go go and binge. We got tons of resources available for you guys in what we're doing. Check us out on all social media platforms, YouTube, um, Instagram, TikTok, uh, on X as well, Post Sunday Podcast. Follow us in all of that and leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. It helps us out with exposure and gets the uh, this word out to, to many others as well. Stay tuned on the pod because we're going to be, uh, there's some things we want to toss out your guys' way as we get ready to launch in January 2024, the Post Sunday Podcast, some ideas and things that we want to do and some of the ways that we want to close out this year as well. All right. So we're excited to have you guys. Thank you again for being with us. And we can't wait to share more time with you guys next week. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to the Post Sunday Podcast presented by Genesis Church, a place to go further, discover more and to learn things you possibly never have. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Genesis Church Orlando and at Post Sunday Podcast. Till next time, grace and peace to all of you.